This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Well, friends, today is New Year's Day. Today, this first Sunday of Advent, the Church begins a new liturgical year. So now for the next 52 weeks, we will once again walk around Jesus Christ. Through the seasons of Advent and Christmas, of Lent, Easter, ordinary time, we meditate on Him. We walk around Him once again, looking at His great mysteries. So today, the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of the liturgical year, the Church proposes for us a beautiful image from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, you know, is the great prophet of Advent, the one who's featured most in Christian literature and art. Here's the compelling image. Let me read to you now from the book of Isaiah. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. All nations shall stream toward it. It's a beautiful, compelling archetypal image, the mountain. In so many mythologies, so many religions around the world, the sacred mountain is a key symbol. Well, it's a, it's a height. It's a place of contact where heaven and earth meet. If you read the Psalms, you'll find over and over again the symbol of the axis mundi, the axis of the world, the center of the world, the still point, if you will, around which everything else revolves. Here Isaiah is playing with this image, the great mountain of the Lord, and to it all the nations of the world are streaming, everyone united around this new center. You know, whenever I hear this image from Isaiah, all the mountains that I've seen and visited in my life sort of come to my mind. I took a little train ride up the side of the Jungfrau Mountain in Switzerland many years ago, one of the great peaks in the Alps. I've hiked a couple times up medium-sized mountains in the Rockies range. You know the experience when you're flying over the Rockies and you look down at these great expanses of snow-covered mountains. But the one that really comes to my mind when I hear Isaiah's image is Mount Rainier outside of Seattle. When you get off the plane in Seattle, you can see it right there from the airport. And Mount Rainier is so impressive, it's so big and so beautifully shaped. And it's surrounded by very small hills and small mountains. So it's one great mountain that surges up. Now, keep that in your mind and see what Isaiah saw. To this mountain, to this peak, are coming all the nations of the world in all their colors and shapes and sizes and diversity, all them streaming up the sides of that mountain, coming to the same point of unity. What does this image mean? I think in some ways it's a master image of the whole biblical tradition because it is an image of communio, of communion. In communion, peoples come together, listen now, without losing any of their individuality 
any of their distinctiveness, anything that makes them unique and special. They lose none of that. Yet, they come together in a common devotion to one, in a common allegiance to one center. Look at two extremes. You can see it politically, you can see it religiously, culturally. Two great extremes. The one is a sort of monolithic unity. Everybody's one. They do the same things, say the same things, think the same things. That's a monolithic unity. You can see it in all kinds of fascist societies, imperialistic societies. What's the other extreme? But a sort of radical disunity, a radical diversity. Everyone singing his own song, everyone going his own way, everyone thinking her own thoughts. What the church holds up to us, what the Bible holds up to us, is an image that goes beyond both of those, that transcends, that that confounds both of those extremes. In a communal image, diversity and individuality are maintained, yet a commonality is achieved through the unity of the center. Everyone in his or her diversity are in love with the same center value, center goal, and that establishes communio. There's another single word that describes this very well, and that word is love, what God is. God is a communio of persons, not a monolithic unity. God is one, yes, but God's also a communion of three persons. No antagonism, no violence, no domination, but a community of diversity gathered in one. In Jesus Christ, we have divinity and humanity meeting, neither one losing its distinctiveness or individuality, but gathered together in unity. Look at what we call the communion of saints, the communio sanctorum. Are the saints one? Yes, because all of them are gathered around Jesus Christ. But are the saints radically diverse? Of course they are. You've got the warrior Joan of Arc and the peacenik Francis of Assisi. You have the simple parish priest, the curé of ours. You have the towering intellect of Thomas Aquinas. You have the ferocity of St. Bernard. You have the gentleness of the little flower. The saints are wildly diverse, yet they come together around the one Christ. Think here of all the saints streaming up God's holy mountain. This is the image of communio, love, unity, and diversity that the church is holding up to us. You know, a couple more practical examples. Of course, the poor Bulls now are so bad, but five years ago when the Bulls were a great basketball team, Part of, part of their genius, part of their, um, their beauty was the fact that they, they were so diverse. The individuals on the great Bulls teams were very unique and distinctive. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and the others. You certainly would never say that they were all alike. Yet, part of the genius of that team was they were able to transcend their differences and play as a team. Unity in diversity. Anyone that's coached a team at any level, grade school, high school, knows the experience of a team that's made up of very good players. 
each one talented. One's a great shooter. One plays great defense. One is a great uh, ball handler. But unless and until they are able to draw themselves together as one, as a team, they are not going to win. They will not be successful. And, you know, in a similar way, switch the metaphor. You listen to the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, especially in the days when, uh, when Sir George Schulte was the conductor. Well, the Chicago Symphony is made up of some of the best individual players in the world. You know, the trombone and, and violin and viola and cello and the best individual players in the world. Yet what Schulte was able to do was to draw them together so that they played as one. Listen now, not monolithically one, as though they're all playing the same notes at the same time in the same way, but to draw their diversity into unity, that was his genius. This, I think, is the image that Isaiah gives us of God's holy mountain. Listen again now to some of the language from Isaiah. Many people shall come and say, Let us climb the Lord's mountain, that he may instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. You know, if you look at the ancient philosophers, they will describe wisdom as a mountaintop vision. You know, you're down in the, the plains. You're down in the flat land. Well, all you can see is what's immediately around you. You see your little swatch of the world. But go up on the mountain. Now from the mountaintop, you see the whole of the surrounding countryside. You see how everything relates to everything else. It's a vision of particular clarity. When I was over in Europe studying, I used to travel around a lot to the different cities. And almost invariably, when I would arrive at a great city, I'd say, let's go to the old city downtown. Let's go to the cathedral and climb the tower. Because from the tower of the cathedral in the middle of the city, you always got your bird's eye view. You saw how the whole thing fit together. Isaiah is suggesting to us here, I think, that when we climb the Lord's mountain, we stand in the place of God's communio. And what we see is the deepest truth of things. Look, I know the world is characterized by anything but communion, peace, nonviolence. The world seems to be just a hodgepodge of warring peoples and nations and individuals. I'm not denying that for a minute, neither is Isaiah. But I think what he's suggesting is when you climb that holy mountain and you, and you see clearly in that rarefied air, now you see to the deepest truth of things. The first Sunday of Advent, the church is urging us to vision, to correct vision of the way things are. It's telling us don't be deluded by the surface impression the surface impression of violence, hatred, division, but see clearly and deeply and truly. Listen again now to Isaiah. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Similar image here, similar metaphor. We're at the heights. Now we're walking in the light. The trouble is, Christians, that in sin, in sin, we don't see clearly. And therefore, we don't walk truly. But when we live out of the communio vision, now we can walk aright. Now we can walk with justice. 
What will that look like? Listen again to Isaiah. He will judge between the nations and impose terms on many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. One of the most beautiful and famous passages in Isaiah. What is the mark of sin? That we don't see our connectedness and therefore that we live in violence. The ultimate symbol, symptom, sign of the breakdown of this vision is the violence of warfare, swords and spears. Once we see the truth of things, that all are connected in God, what are we able to do? We're able to turn the ways of violence into the ways of cultivation of life. Isn't it terrific how he beats the swords into plowshares, meant to turn over the earth so that seeds might be planted? Christians, when we live out of Isaiah's vision, we are able to cultivate life around us. And then they turn their spears into pruning hooks so as to cultivate the trees and the shrubs. We become life givers, not death dealers, when we live out of the communio vision. Just a last thought now. There's a lovely parallel to this Isaiah text. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, When the Son of Man is lifted up, he will bring all people to himself. It's a direct parallel of Isaiah. What is God's holy mountain? It's a paradox. But God's holy mountain was realized on this dung heap outside Jerusalem, on the Mount of Calvary, when Christ was raised up on the cross. And there, at the point when the divine love was fully manifest, he will draw all people to himself. God's love becomes the still point around which everything turns. Happy New Year and Happy Advent, and God bless. Friends, can I take 20 seconds just to make a pitch? You know, to get this show on uh, for next year, we need some money. If you could please uh, send me a check if you want to support the show to the University of St. Mary of the Lake. Please make the check out there and send it to Father Robert Barron at Mundelein Seminary, Mundelein, Illinois. With your help and your support, we can keep the show going for next year. And God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.